Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, hey, we are here early today, right, and or gray end yeah gray end early but because of daylight savings we're at least a little bit bright it'd still be pitch black right now if we hadn't changed the clocks back yeah i mean <laughs> i guess i'll i'll take an early morning i'm not anything is better than it being dark at four o'clock oh in the in the evening yeah 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 i agree i mean it's gonna be dark at four o'clock in like a it's month just anyway, depressing but like, <laughs> everywhere i know the problem for me is since i i don't leave here till seven is once we get into the winter months like starting from like a couple of weeks ago, I don't see the sun at night. Like I don't see the sunset. I'm just because there's no windows in here. Like they're they've gotten recovered in my room over there. There's one little crack of a window, but I'm not like looking outside. I'm just paying attention, and and then all of a sudden it's uh, dark out. So that's the sad part. Yeah, and it's hard to tell what time it is. Is it four thirty? Is it nine thirty? It's just super dark outside. I just can't stand it. It's really depressing. I know, and I did. Uh, I did wake up a little bit early today, and it was nice to at least have a little bit of sun for that, though. Yeah. Like, oh. I actually went out to go running this morning, again, like an idiot. I've done it now two weeks in a row, because I am i don't want to go on Saturday so bad that I'm willing to wake up even earlier to go Sunday morning, which just seems like a really stupid plan in the long run. But for right now, it's working, because I get to do literally nothing on Saturday. Yeah. But uh, at least it was a little bit bright when I was out in the morning. I think that'd be good for you, like, as far as the show is concerned, to come in mentally awake because that's always my problem in the morning i'm not a morning person i come in every morning and then i fumble and bumble around in here very groggy yes i guess that is true i don't feel as tired as i normally do because i didn't go out and run this morning but i did also not get up at my alarm i woke up i had my alarm set for 5 45 and i went running at 6 30 so (laughs) (laughs) no yeah my alarm went off at around 7 i got up stretched and laid back down till about 7 15 ish so yeah, tried to get up and run. That didn't happen. I'm trying you to. You did the, not try to I'm get trying, up. And yeah, run. I did. I got up and you I put liar. my shorts on and everything, and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." You liar. Yeah, low key, <laughs> super lying. <laughs> I was gonna say, I know you yeah. too well right now. Yeah, You're not going running Sunday morning. I'm definitely not running on Sunday morning. So this is a shorter version of our show. We are here until 9:30, leading you into the doubleheader that you heard there in Jesse's update. Um, so we kind of just compress everything into 90 minutes. And what we'll be doing is instead of doing both the West Coast bias and a hate it or love it, we combine it. So that'll be coming up at 9.15. The last segment of the show will be a West Coast bias, hate it or love it. We do it in a more chill way. We don't do the competition. We just, uh, you know, answer the questions and kind of have a, have a cool last segment there. So that's coming up at 9.15. We will still be doing the fantasy scramble. That is coming up at 8.45. Now, if you have any questions, start sick questions fantasy-wise, feel free to text them into the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305, and we will answer as many as we can at 8.45. That might extend to 9 o'clock if uh, we have more questions, but if not, 
It'll just be at 845 today. Also, we will be discussing Thursday Night Football, which was the Seahawks beating the Cardinals. But frankly, I don't really care about the result of the game as much as I care about the result of the game injuries-wise. Richard Sherman's out for the year. It felt like every other play, there was a player down for both teams. And once again, it opened up the can of worms of should there be Thursday Night Football at all. So we'll discuss that coming up next segment. Uh, We also will talk about Eli Manning and... We haven't talked about the Eagles really yet, have we? We have talked about a little wins. bit. We have a little bit, but not so much about them being the best team in the NFC. Or the NFL. Or, uh, yeah, or that. Or the NFL. So There's, maybe we'll it's talk quite about, possible that they're the best team in the NFL. If we have time, we'll talk about that in the show as well. But I do want to start like we always do with a little bit of college football. Just want to go kind of quick hitter here because it was a, it was a crazy day results-wise, but... Not many of the top games were all too interesting. Um, you had a lot of blowouts. You had uh, the only close game really at the top was Alabama, who almost lost Mississippi State. Now, that would have been something. But uh, the number one team in the country, Georgia, falls to Auburn, who's the number 10 team in the country, badly, 40 to 17. A lot of people were talking about Auburn as a potential team that could kind of upset the SEC mm-hmm. and make it a little bit harder for them to get two teams in because I believe Auburn plays Bama in a week or two as well. Um, but they absolutely showed up and blew out Georgia yesterday. So they they win. Uh, and then number three, Notre Dame, gets absolutely destroyed by number seven, Miami, 41-8. to eight. Nobody believed in Miami going into last night's game. Look at the U. Look at the U. It was the old, uh, what is it, Catholics versus cons game coming back. And uh, the cons absolutely demolished Notre Dame. 41 to 8. There was no belief in Miami going into the game. None. Like I feel like I saw I saw everybody pick Notre Dame to win the game. And I understand why, because Miami hadn't played anybody yet, but they were undefeated. And there's a little bit, I mean, I hate using this word, but it's true. They have a swagger back. There's something, they've got the turnover chain that like, it's almost making them play more for turnovers than for Mm -hmm. scores. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of Miami, but I have watched them once or twice. I did watch them when they played my team, Syracuse, and I watched a little bit yesterday. Um, You know, they're, they're good. They're better than everyone thinks because nobody else watched them either. You know? Well, yeah, I, th- I think that, and I think they've got, you know, I think they're really well coached. And then on top of that, they've got some, they've got some talent. I think that's the one thing Miami has been kind of missing, especially after they made the move to the ACC from the Big, Big East. Where, where were they? They were the. They were in the Big East. It was it the Big East? And they went that to time? the ACC. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they went to the ACC, and I think they start meeting teams that were really talented you know florida state started really having their run at that point and louisville has become a team that you well, can really they had the sanctions on. too right they did have some sanctions so they, they couldn't do much and they went through coach after coach after coach what was that guy's name devin shapiro was that the guy the big booster nevin shapiro nevin nevin shapiro, nevin shapiro. yeah so um they, I, I think they're finally at a point almost kind of like usc to where they have, like you said, they got their swagger back. They have the ability to offer scholarships. And I, I don't think Malik Rozier, I think that's how you say his last yep. name, I don't think he's a, a great quarterback. But for what they need right now, I, I, feel, think he's, I, I think he's good. Is he their backup? I thought their starter got hurt and he's been playing as their backup. I could be wrong about that again. I, I'll be I've honest. Only, I've only I, watched I, them once or twice. I'll, I'll be totally real. I haven't watched much Miami Hurricane football since about 2006-ish. You know, once they completely kind of – fell off the map and i was like ah I'm, I'm good not the same team well miami forced four turnovers in the game absolutely destroyed notre dame 41 to 8 
Offensively, like the numbers aren't great. They had a lot of rushing yards, um, which seems like a lot of college football teams are doing these days. But offensively, the numbers weren't like overly impressive, but it was the turnovers. It's it's their defense is what's getting them through games right now. And I do think it's interesting because I mean, we've seen stuff like this in, in some way before, but I've never seen it to this extent where it feels like a team is going for turnovers more than scores. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, like because of that, getting the turnover chain which is just something that the the coaches created and i think it was the defensive coordinator or the secondary co- coach if you uh, force turnover you get to wear the chain it has a big u on it and you know it's like a big like it, it's like a big chain like one of those like big metal lock chains mm-hmm. and um you get to wear it and it's like a pride thing and introducing that is so smart because i mean we, we're in an offensive time in college football but defense still wins you championships yeah. and if you're going to focus on being a immensely dangerous defense turnover wise, then you're going to win a lot of games. Absolutely. And it's, and it's creating a culture within a, like a subculture within the culture. So Miami has really turned things around, so to speak, at least for this year, we'll see what next year looks like. But as of right now, they look like they're, they should be one of the teams that's involved in the college football playoff. They're undefeated from a major conference. Why wouldn't they, you know, kind of get the nod to, to be at least the, the fourth seed at that point but yeah you're right and i think the good defense is kind of motivating this offense that doesn't doesn't look like they have an impact player right now you know so it looks like they're going out there making plays and it's making it easy for the offense whenever and you can ask russell wilson whenever your defense is really dominant it makes it so much easier for you to go out there because you can make mistakes because you know you have somebody to go out there and back you up and they don't they're not going to give up you know 55 points a game also in college football yesterday uh, you had the number six team in the country lose TCU. They lost to number five Oklahoma, pretty big, thirty-eight to twenty. That might end, uh, should end TCU's hopes at a college football playoff berth. However, with the way this season's been going, not exactly sure if two losses is exactly a death knell at this point. Uh, Wisconsin faced their first test against Iowa, blew them out, thirty-eight to fourteen. That'll help them a lot, and uh, not much else. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan State played each other. That was a twelve-thirteen matchup, and Ohio State won forty-eight to three. So it kind of it kind of felt like a week. Of upsets as well as a week of oh and Washington lost too on Friday thirty to twenty two to Stanford, uh, so the Pac twelve almost definitely out of the college football playoff picture unless again everything else crazy happens and Washington State keeps winning, it's kind of the way I view that. But uh, so it's a week of upsets as well as a week of teams I think writing their ticket out of the college football playoff if you know what I mean. Uh, TCU I'm looking right at you I like TCU a lot but they their defense was shredded by Oklahoma and TCU's defense hadn't been shredded by anybody this year. So it was kind of a wake up call that Oklahoma's really good. No, and yeah. Baker Mayfield, we knew was really good, but they could even go up. Like they scored a bajillion points against Oklahoma state last week, but they can put up a lot against a great defense in TCU as well. No, absolutely, man. Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma's good. And I, I don't know. Have they played Oklahoma state? You know, that's, or is that coming up? Oh, uh, that was last week. Oh, I think they played them last week. Where the hell was I last week? trying to figure out what i was doing to where i missed that game but i'm pretty sure that was like i'm gonna double check for you i'm pretty sure that game finished like 62 to 56 or something like that so the a great game. yeah 62 52 oklahoma beat oklahoma state last week no baker mayfield man there's something really special about what this guy can do i think coming into the season like everybody knew he was good i don't think anybody knew he was this good or he would be the quarterback after you know 11 weeks of football that we'd be talking about at this point. You know, coming into the season, it was all about uh, Josh Allen, 
Yep, name. from Wyoming. It was all about, all about Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. And I, don't I think know. it is still about Darnold and Rosen, you know. But. I don't know how much Baker Mayfield play translates to the NFL. Um, he's kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Johnny Manziel because he's better, but he kind of has that kind of uh, run-around, gunslingery kind of quarterback mentality, which has not always translated very well. No. But at least for right now, I mean, he's for sure going to be the Heisman winner unless he absolutely screws it up in these last few weeks. I think he's a little better than Johnny Manziel. You know, yeah. Manziel was but just style-wise. Yeah, I, I he was it. just kind of herky-jerk, just go ahead and, you know, spin around the circle and toss it up, and he just happened to have a Mike oh, Evans. like Russell Wilson. Ooh. Like Russell Wilson, but <laughs> Russell Wilson has a beautiful deep ball. Like, for for whatever reason, like, when he goes deep, especially to Baldwin, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty, man. But I don't know. Mayfield can, and depending on what team he goes to, you know, he can get a, a good coach kind of like uh, the way Deshaun Watson did, and it can kind of, Take what you do well and, and build on that. All right. Coming up next, we have a little Seahawks discussion and Thursday night football discussion. After watching and or listening to the game this week, have your thoughts changed on Thursday night football? And do you think the NFL's thoughts may have changed on Thursday night football? We will discuss next here on Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eight sixteen here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad with you, Jesse as well, until 9.30 leading into the NFL doubleheader. Text any fantasy football questions you have to the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. A couple segments away from doing our fantasy scramble. So, is this the last bye week? I think these might be the last. There might be one more after this, but we're kind of getting to the end of the bye weeks. We're now kind of into the your team is your team. Trade deadlines are coming up, though, so if you have any trade offers you'd like to ask us about, feel free. And, of course, any start sick questions, if you've got a wide receiver three or a flex spot that you're not sure of, feel free to text us, and we will get to them as best as we can at 845. But I do want to discuss this uh, because it happened a couple of days ago, and it's top of mind, and that is Thursday night football. The Seahawks getting the win over the Cardinals, 22-16. It was a very, very ugly football game to watch and listen to. Um, mostly, in my opinion, because of the penalties. I mean, I got to find the exact number here because uh, I don't know where to find it on ESPN's box scores anymore. They moved everything around. But I want to say the Seahawks had like 14 penalties or 15 in the game and like nine of them in the first half. It was just an S show. And that's not to speak about the injuries, which were also horrific. And uh, you lose Richard Sherman for the rest of the season to a ruptured Achilles tendon, um, which strangely he seemed to be expecting. If you listen to him, he seemed to be uh, expecting an injury to happen. He was just kind of waiting. And it felt like every like fifth play, a player on either team was going down with an injury. So yeah. it was a really, really ugly game. And uh, penalties, yeah, 12 penalties. There we go. I found it for 108 yards. The Cardinals committed nine penalties for 58 yards. So you had 166 yards of total penalties in the game. Um, we haven't had a lot of good product on Thursday Night Football. Now, of course, week one was not great. And then week two, we had like the Rams. Uh, who were they playing that week? It was like 46 to 42, the final score, like Rams Colts or something. It was actually a really exciting game. And we're like, oh, maybe the product's not that bad. And most of the Thursday night games have been awful. Um, that's always been the case. And it just keeps bringing about this conversation of why on earth does the NFL keep subjecting its teams and players and its fans 
to the bad product, to the injuries, and all that on Thursday Night Football. Because what the, is what's the purpose? Money is always the purpose, bro. That's exactly why they do it. You know, it's, it's the same reason why they have four preseason games as opposed to three. You know, how or, or as opposed to two. How many times have we seen one of the best players in the league be hurt in preseason or in training camp or something like that? You know, non-contact drills, like. That's why the NFL and sports do these things. There's a reason there's 162, 82 games, 162 games in, in baseball. Yep. There's a reason. I mean, the season could be much Good shorter. Guess. Good guess. Yeah, thank you. The season could be much shorter, but there's just so much money to be made that why would I ever shorten the season or why would I ever take the the safety of these players, you know, into consideration? You know, I just we were talking before the show. Uh, the NFL stands to lose $146 million, you know, through through the league. And it's like 7% of their of their salary cap. Like, they, I, I'm pretty sure once you give that to the players during the collective bargaining agreement, they're going to be like, I guess Thursday night football isn't so bad. It's like, do you want the money or not? You know, the NFL is getting, uh, for two years, from CBS and NBC, not over $900 million for Thursday night football. You think the NFL is going to give that up? First, because Richard Sherman got hurt, or because the product hasn't been great? No, of course not. If they want to if they want to improve that Thursday night game, then put Monday night talent out there. That's the that's the that's Monday night talent. I mean, that hasn't been a thing either for the last few no, years. I mean, I know, and Monday night football has been something that's also I think equally as trash. I think we I think we kind of gl- keep glossing over Thursday night football because it's kind of easy. But let's not make it sound like Monday night football has just been just the, the the crowning jewel of the NFL it it hasn't been Monday night football has been crap for a lot of for a lot of years now it's it's hard to me to be like oh look richard c c c richard sherman he blew out his achilles he he said that he knew that was going to go at some point this yeah, season. But he, it, if it wasn't a Thursday game would he have had a couple more days to get it back to being in a playable You fit? know what the team didn't have to play him either That's true so it, it just comes down to that. The game. team I'm, literally did not have to play him. I'm with you, Jesse. I think like, the Seahawks are going to have to take some level of responsibility, a lot of levels of responsibility for this. Like last year, they got in trouble for disclose for you know not disclosing a Richard Sherman injury that he said he played with through most of the season. Didn't he and say Seattle, he like, had an MCL or something? For, and for for most of the season, and, and the Seahawks never addressed it. You know until he kind of said something about it, and then there's probably because he never told out. them though. Because like so Sherman had a streak. He hadn't missed a game in his career until yeah. next until, week. Yeah. His first one, um, which was from 2011. So it was a six year or six and a half year spree of not missing a game. In that case, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks knew and were hiding it. But um, I don't know if he even told them. Like, I feel like that's a Richard Sherman going. I'm not going to say I have anything because I want to keep the streak going. I want to be on the field for my team. I wonder if it's something similar with this. They were talking about it during the broadcast. They, in fact, they, they were talking about it before the Achilles accident even happened. So, I mean, they knew about it. They had to have known about it. There's no way that they that you, they didn't know about it. Okay, just playing devil's advocate. Here's some quotes from the players after Thursday Night Football. Doug Baldwin uh, heard, his, uh, heard his groin pregame, but he wasn't said he wasn't re- ready physically to play, but he did. Thursday Night Football should be illegal is what he said. Um, a reporter told Doug Baldwin that people have made the argument that the week and a half players get off after Thursday nights offsets the injury concerns. His response, tell them to bleep you. <laughs> so he's not mincing any words. Bobby Wagner said, it's extremely tough. You look at the game, you watch the game, you see guys dropping down on both sides with serious injuries, minor injuries. We play a very physical game, a physical sport. So to ask us to turn around 
and be ready after Sunday to turn around and have our bodies okay for that Thursday. It's really tough for us to do. Hopefully they'll look at it and see what's happening and change the format. So I do agree with you, right? Um, I do, I do agree with you that it's the money, right? Obviously mm -hmm. the money is too big for them to kill off Thursday night football. It's like, once you have it, how could you go back to the old way? Right. You were saying that each team, each player was getting like $132,000 if spread out equally to mm -hmm. him from the Thursday night football contracts that the teams are getting from the NFL and the NFL is getting even more than that. And you said it was what, $450 million or something from each CBS and, and NBC or something for Thursday night football. Um, so is there any other way to make it a better product? Because, I mean, this isn't even just about the injuries, but it's just bad. It's just bad football. It really is. So is there any other way to make it so that it's not bad football unless it's just like two bad teams playing, you know? Because we've had good teams put on bad products because it's been three days after their last game. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's that's a that's that's a great question. Like we've seen great product on Thursday night. You know, we've we've you know Rarely. it's rare, but we've seen it. But like I said, we could say the exact same thing about Monday nights. You know, there's just there's just bad football all around, but bad football only gets worse when you give teams two days to prepare for the game, one day to travel to said game, and then they turn around and play a game four days after they just played. Uh, and just really took their bodies to the ringer and got a chance. Got, now have to go out there and do it again. So are we surprised that it's slow? Are we surprised that guys are getting hurt more and more? We sh you shouldn't be. You know, there's a, there's a reason that you know guys need bye weeks and stuff like that. Now you got teams like you know Tampa and and Miami that don't even have a bye for the rest of the season. They had to use their bye before the season even started. So you you got got you got teams that are about to pay, play sixteen weeks with no break, that's a problem. And I think the NFL has to do a better job of trying to figure it out. We were talking before the show. I mean, there's ways you can do this, man. Like if you play the Thursday night game, then you should have had the bye the week before. Just give them that. Just give them the bye that way, or I mean, or or the week after one of the two. So this way they don't have to turn around and play another game. So so close. Well, I think before would be preferable because I mean the. What the fans are saying is true. After a Thursday game, you get an extra three days before your next one. So that it, it, would, it would almost give you like a double buffer, right? You get a bye week, then you get 10 days off afterwards. So it's like, hey, we're going to put you on Thursday, but here's all this extra time off around you. Um, the only problem with that is that bye weeks don't start until like week four or five. So the first few weeks of the season, you're not going to get that kind of benefit on Thursday night football, although I, I guess you could argue – that early season Thursday night football nowhere near as bad as late season Thursday night football because players are less hurt and less banged up at that point. Uh, we did get this text in the Bridgeport Bruce text line, 55305. Uh, every team gets two bye weeks, one right before the Thursday game. It adds another week of TV revenue as well. Um, so that basically it would extend the season by like a week, make it maybe 18 weeks or something, and then every team gets two buys. Maybe you start the buys a little bit earlier, so it's not like, I like oh, it. I waste the bye week two and I have to play 16 straight games. Well, no, you get another one coming up later. And I it like guarantees it. a Thursday game stays there, but it also guarantees that the players are a little bit more rested. I and like that it. would be like, I like it too. That would be like what the NBA did in your in your example of they're starting the season a little bit earlier and they've drastically reduced the amount of back-to-backs and four games and five-night situations. So And guess what? You get your best effort from certain teams all of a sudden. Now you're not getting, you know, for the ran down. Except for Cleveland, I They're think that's gonna right that's gonna take some time. I think I think it's too many 
you know, too many cooks in the kitchen in Cleveland right now. I think that the the genius part about this that you you said the NFL on is we give you an extra week of revenue and the players don't have to play an extra game. Yeah. Like that's that's an easy sell to the NFL if you ask me. Just say, hey, hey, you want an extra week of revenue? Give us another bye week. And Simple maybe, as that. Maybe while they're at it, we could uh, reduce the amount of preseason weeks and start the season just slightly earlier. Yeah. Or I mean, but, that, but later, once again, care. then you're going away from the extra revenue because then you're eliminating revenue, which, the, believe it or yeah, not, I mean, but the preseason. I know. Uh, I know it sucks. <laughs> kind of turned into a, what's the guy from The Simpsons? You kind of turned into the Glavin doctor. What, what, who's the guy who says, Glavin? Well, uh, I don't know. Forget his name. From yeah. The but that's what Jesse kind of said like there at the end. Uh, so, yeah, I like the two bye weeks idea. Maybe that's something we'll see in the future because I'm sure. I don't know when the next CBA is up. I'm imagining fairly soon. Um, I'm sure that that'll be a discussion because they don't. There's just so many injuries. And this year, there's been a lot, so many big names who have been injured. Like there was a list that was put out of like star players who were out and there was like eight, nine deep. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the NFL will go one extra bye week is worth it if it keeps these players. Now, of course, the NFL is always going to have freak injuries. It's always going to have that. That's part of the game. But maybe it'll reduce it a little bit, and over the course of a couple of years, that'll look a lot better for the league than every year having a big quarterback like Aaron Rodgers go down. All right, coming up next, uh, what did I ha- Oh, yeah, the curious case of Eli Manning, as Rashad put it. Uh, we'll discuss that next. Keep texting us into the Bridgeport Bridge text line at 55305. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 8.33 here on your Sunday morning. Just an hour left on this uh, little program today. So weird. It is short, yeah. Next week, we're going to have the same 8 to 9.30, by the way, because the Seahawks are on Monday Night Football next week. Um, So we'll be back in the short term, which I'll remind you of at the end of the show. Um, So it'll be a couple of weird short shows. The nice thing about this is that you get home right at the start of Red Zone. So you get to watch it in its entirety. My least favorite part about the 9 to 11 show is having to miss the 30 or so minutes driving home of all the action. Um, you know, you can you try, try to listen to, to your around. car and everything. Ah, it's just not the same. I just, I just commit to just waiting it out. Um, but Rashad brought this up before the show, excuse me. And he just, he just said this. Do you want to talk about the curious case of Eli Manning? Curious case of Benjamin Button, the man who never uh, never ages. Um, Eli Manning has had a very, very poor year, to say the least. Um, the stats might not exactly show that, but if you've watched the Giants play, even before all the injuries befell the team, something was wrong with their offense and with Eli Manning. And the reason I say the stats might not look that bad is because he's got 12 touchdowns and six interceptions. His quarterback rating is 85, which is about where it's been his entire career. His average quarterback rating is 83, so he's no worse in that than he has been in, in the past. Um, he has a lot less passing yards this year, only 1,820, uh, when every other season he's had since 2009, 
He's had 3,818 or more in every single one of those seasons, and most of those are over 4,000. So he's nowhere near that kind of a level this season. But you say the curious case of Eli Manning. And I guess I wanted to start off with this. Why do you say the curious case of Eli Manning? What's Be curious in your mind? Well, it's curious because I think we all know that Eli is good, but there's a big but with Eli. You know, like Eli is good, but he really hasn't been great since 2012, whenever they won their last Super Bowl, 2011, or somewhere right around there. Um, 35 touchdowns two years ago. 14 picks. Uh, it definitely helps when you have what I considered, you know, before he was hurt, the best player in football, which is Odell Beckham Jr., who's really been a, a really a, a godsend for Eli over these past few years because he's really been able to extend his career because of the talent, really, of Odell Beckham. Otherwise, I think Eli is gone in New York three years ago, four years ago. Um, you have an Odell to come in, and then now you have a, a, a bona fide superstar and somebody that can keep Eli Manning on the field. Now look at a guy who's 36. Um, his, his arm, he's never really had the strongest arm. He's never had his brother's arm, but he's always been very good. He has no weapons around him right now. I believe um, the tight end was Irving. What's uh, is it Irving? Uh, Ingram. Ingram, yeah. The tight, Irvin Ingram. Yeah, the tight, the tight end Ingram uh, and... Uh, Sterling Sh and Sterling Shepard are his main targets right now, his main um, weapons. And then you look at a Darkwa, he just doesn't have the things around him that he should. I think his time is done in New York. McAdoo Evan is a Ingram. mess. Evan Ingram, thank you. McAdoo is a mess. His team is completely turning on him. There's reports that he's lost the locker room, which is the least surprising report I've seen all year. Nobody and everybody kind of knows it. Like usually the Jets are the team that are always in the media for whatever reason, but. Not this time. It's it's been for the past few years. It's been the Giants, and I don't know if they're used to to being the team with all the spotlight on. Well, you know, it's the better record, the New York Jets. Yeah, and the Jets are, are, are doing are, the worst job of tanking it, ever. By the way, the worst job. I think I think the tanking thing's out the window. They're trying to compete now. They want to win. <laughs> I just they, have a they good... got rid of like all their veteran expensive players to go like as young and bad as possible, and mm -hmm. they're four and five. No, and uh, they're and they're <laughs> still crazy. a very competitive team. I, I I guarantee the Giants wish they were four and five right now. But I think, honestly, after this season, I think Eli may have played his last snaps with the Giants this year. I mean, do I think he'll be out of the NFL? No, because I think there are a lot of teams that could use an Eli Manning. I just don't think it's the New York Giants anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, now that they're 1-7 and seven especially, and the fact that they've lost the locker room or Ben McAdoo has lost the locker room, I could certainly see them just essentially saying – we're going to draft the quarterback that we get at the top of the draft, whoever that is. They won't get the number one pick most likely unless the Browns start winning, but they'll be at the top. Um, and either they – well, I guess I could see two things happening. I'll, I'll revise this. Either they draft a quarterback at the top, whichever one they like, there's going to be plenty of options, even mm -hmm. though not all of the ones that we thought were going to be good have been that good this year. They're still probably going to project well at the next level. Um, or they say – we still like Eli, but now that we have the number two pick, we're going to accept a massive trade to get for a team trading up to the number two pick, getting some talent and getting some more picks for the future because that's what they need. Um, their offensive line is not very good. Their running game is not good. Their defense is expensive, and it's pretty good, but they could use some help uh, as some spots over there. And their depth obviously isn't very good, but, I mean, let's be fair. They lost Beckham. They lost Brandon Marshall. You know, they're – they lost Shepard for like two weeks. They've been going with a tight end only offense for a while. Um, I could see them doing either of those two things. Uh, so 
I I think the moving on from Eli makes sense for both it, um, both parties, and I think both of them might be looking at it that way. Especially considering they're they're talking about maybe even shutting Eli down and seeing what they have in Geno Smith. You do that, then the tea leaves are definitely being written there, and um, you're just kind of wondering where where Eli fits at that point. And it it does kind of make sense because I mean. It's been speculated this is a good draft class. Then people think it's not that great of a draft class, but the, uh, for quarterback. But the fact is, is there are a lot of like highly touted prospects coming out in this upcoming draft draft class. And you know, I I agree with you. And uh, a a smart move might be taking a, a high pick that might be the second overall pick, might be the first overall pick in, in that area, flipping it, turning it into more assets, still finding a quarterback and finding other pieces. Because you're right, there's not a lot of depth on this team. And I'm going to take it a little bit farther. I mean, outside of the fact, like, outside of Odell Beckham Jr., this offense is terrible. Awful. Like, even Brandon, even when Brandon Marshall was there the first couple he weeks, was it, it, he was Couldn't awful. Like, like, this was just, a, like, Evan Ingram's a nice piece. You have Evan Ingram, you have Odell Beckham Jr., and then you have nothing else. You don't have an offensive line, you don't have a running back, and you have a quarterback who literally, I mean, he can't do it all himself. He's not his brother. And I will say this, um, I know the running game has been different lately in the NFL. I know that we've seen the position be devalued a bit, although we also have seen Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette go very high in drafts and has worked out for both their teams so far. Um, the Giants need a running back. They have drafted poorly at the running back position the last few years. Paul Perkins from UCLA did not work out. He is awful in the NFL. I think Orleans Dark was playing well right now. I don't think he's the answer. Wayne Gallman clearly not the answer. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, and they won't do this, but I, th I think they should at least think about it. Try to go get an elite college football running back because as good as you might be with Odo Beckham Jr. and uh, Eli Manning throwing him the ball, if you keep Eli Manning, if you can't run the football, you're not going to win any games, right? You got to have a balance. You, you, got, yeah. you got to have a balance. So you got to find an answer at running back because your committee of crap is not working. No, I... I... That's been their their biggest hole. Like, who's been their their big running back since like? Uh, I'm trying. Who's the who's the last great Giants running back? Um, Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber. Barber? I think yeah, I'm was. saying like Tiki Barber. That was how long ago? That was like almost ten years ago that Tiki Barber was their running back. Yep. Like, I mean, the Giants. I mean, Tiki. Ten years is a long time. You know. Remember when Tiki Barber had the fumble issues and he changed to running the football with it like at a ninety degree angle up at his upper shoulder. Tiki Barber has. Do you a remember life that? Issue, man. That was a really funny way he ran, but he yeah. stopped fumbling at that point. I don't. I've. He's been probably my least. Favorite. I like Rondé so much more than I like Tiki. Tiki makes me want to punch him in the face. There's something about <laughs> wow. him and his face. That I don't feel about his twin brother's you face. You do know that Rondé has the same face as Yeah, me. I know. I like Rondé's more. Though. They're like identical. His identical seems twins. friendlier. Like, Tiki seems really kind of condescending. I feel like you're being strangely judgy about identical twins' faces being different. Man, listen. <laughs> Tiki Barber has said enough in the media over the past few years to make enough, make enough people go, yeah, I don't like you. Rondé has it. And Rondé is at least the good one, in my opinion. But they were both good. Tiki was good, yes, but they were. But they were both. Ahmad good. Bradshaw was a good one. Yeah, we just got a text here on the Bridgeport Bears. Text yeah, line. he was pretty good. Ahmad Bradshaw. Swag just texted me Otis Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Swag. But that's what I'm saying. Like, where where are the great Giants running running backs? Even when they were uh, competing for Super Bowls, they had a a solid run game. I won't I won't call it a, a great run game, but they had a solid run game. 
All right, we got a break. Coming up next, it is time for the Fantasy Scramble. If you have not texted your questions into the Bridgeport Pierce text line of 55305 yet, do so now, and we will answer as many as we can next here on Football Sunday on 10 to the Fan. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. And the only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Eight forty-five here on your Sunday morning. Just for the record, guys, my team does not suck, or my team is not injured. We're I know, actually Rashad, doing I heard the clip. very, very well. Yeah, I, I no, heard the clip. I, I know what you're talking too. about. Yeah, and I heard you. I heard you on the behind the scenes here. Um, maybe not today, but I've definitely heard you behind the scenes this year, being like, Ugh. "I'm gonna be honest, my team, my team is not great, but we're competitive." So every week, hey, hey, don't make that face, Michael. I'm going to make the face because not great, but competitive sounds like bad. No, no, <laughs> weird, weird. I mean, we are the, I mean, who's the first place team? We are the the Chiefs of the league. Like, oh, so not, you've lost three games in a row. Okay. No, we haven't yeah. lost three games in a row. We yeah. do have three losses, though. And <laughs> since we've actually, like, won three games in a row. You know, it's all uphill. It's all downhill from here, man. So hopefully our guys can stay healthy. And they can go out there and, and really, you know, make daddy proud, man. That's funny you, you say the Chiefs, because I put, like, the Chiefs, like, right now in, like, my pecking order, the hierarchy of the NFL. I put them, like, right around fifth or sixth. Like, they're they're not the, the top. Like, I, I, like, in the AFC, I'm definitely putting them behind New England, even though they beat New England in New England. That, that was week one. Uh, I'm going to put them behind Pittsburgh, even though Pittsburgh got blew out by Chicago. Um, Pittsburgh seems to be more on track now. Like, uh, obviously Philadelphia above them in the NFC. Like, I don't the, know if you want to be the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a weird team right now, but yet they still have a certain edge about them that I'm a little worried about if I'm an NFL team. Isn't this? But aren't they like this? This is what you expect from the Chiefs. Like every year we see them go. Oh, my, you're like, oh, oh no. Like, look at this offense. And it's like that for like three or four weeks, and you're just like, ooh. Like, yeah. the, like when we were on Super Bowl 50, you remember when we lost to the Chiefs? Yeah, the Broncos did. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was like, it was like, uh oh, panic button. Chiefs look good. We're not looking good. Like, and then it all changed. It all changed. Yeah. Like, classic Chiefs. All right. Uh, and by we, Jesse means the Broncos. We said both, that about, we said that about Baltimore for a long time, too. You that know, is true. Good, really good defense, and they finally were able to, you know. To, Baltimore won a Super Bowl, though. Exactly. So. Yeah, they have Harbaugh. All right, fantasy football questions. Text them into the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. Non-PPR league at the flex. Doug Martin, Jonathan Stewart, or Alfred Morris, I'm so sorry that this is your decision because it is an awful decision. Um, I'm not touching Jonathan Stewart. Christian McCaffrey's getting even more carries than he was before. Uh, I looked at his stats, and at least in my league, he's gone negative twice over the last four weeks. He's got one rushing touchdown on the year the week that we joked about him falling into the end zone. Now, he's still getting about 10, 11 carries a game, which is better than you can say for a guy like uh, Doug Martin, who had eight carries for, what, seven yards last week in an awful game. Um, Alfred well, they were all bad last week. Alfred Morris, I don't know, because there's like him and Darren McFadden and some other guys who are going to be splitting carries in the place of Ezekiel Elliott. So I guess... 
I'm going to pick Doug Martin in this one just because before the eight carry week, he had 18, 20, 14, and 13 and a couple of touchdowns. So I imagine they'll try to get him going a little bit this week. So I'll go Doug Martin on that one. Uh, all these names really make me nervous, you know, but it's really better than my running back situation right now. <laughs> so uh, I thought your team was good. I my know. team is, my team what, is what? winning. My team is winning. Your team's good or team it sucks. Winning. What is it? My team is winning. That's what we're doing right now. It doesn't matter what yeah, the, the number one says. team in my league also um, it, it is also the the least scoring it, team it, in the league. It doesn't as well, matter who so. we are. What matters is our plan, man. We're, we're going for the top. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go Doug Martin as well, though. Uh, no, I, I I very much agree with a lot of the assessment that you have there, Mike. Uh, I I like Doug Martin. I think he has at least the – he has a stable floor, and you know what you're getting out of him. Last week, you didn't get anything out of any of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's going to be a little bit more continuity with Ryan Fitzpatrick leading that team throughout the week in practice. And, you know, Alfred Morris, honestly, like he he's going to be an – in a running back by committee, they might find that hot hand thing. And I think Rod Smith might be the the sneaky play here in this backfield. The old Broncos receivers coming back to the NFL. Right. right? Um, next question, also in a lousy quarterback situation, the same guy who just had the running back situation. So again, <laughs> apologies. Uh, Phillip Rivers at Jacksonville mm. or Ryan Fitzpatrick at the Jets. No one ever. Um, as much as it pains me to do so, I'm going to pick Phillip Rivers because – there's no Mike Evans. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, who doesn't have the best deep ball, is throwing to the deep ball receiver and Deshaun Jackson a lot. And the Jets' defense is not as good as the Jaguars' defense. Clearly, the Jaguars' secondary is elite, like elite elite. Might be the best in the NFL right now. Actually, is the best in the NFL right now, stats-wise. Uh, but Phillip Rivers, at least uh, in my league, is putting up double-digit points almost every single week, despite some less-than-consistent performances. I would rather trust that than... Mr. Harvard beard man himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm going to take Phil Rivers. I would never take Ryan Fitzpatrick anywhere, um, especially on <laughs> not fantasy. on a date or anything. Not anywhere. Not for Might casual drinks. To talk to. Not for casual drinks. Not for coffee. Any of those things. So I'm definitely going to go ahead and go with Philip Rivers. Although he is going against what is the best defense. You're right, Lynch, in the NFL. Um, just ask Jalen Ramsey. Uh, yeah, I'm starting Fitzpatrick in two leagues this week. Um, Ooh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I don't I I don't care that he's missing Mike Evans. Um, I I do think obviously that's important, but uh, Jets are okay, but not great as a defense. They've given up at least two touchdowns um, in every game but two this season. Um, so that means seven games so far. They've he's the teams have thrown for at least two touchdowns against them. Um, it. He'll he'll use a little bit of OJ Howard. He'll use some Cameron Bray. He'll use some Adam Humphreys. He'll dump off some to some Charles Sims. Um, he'll get Chris Godfrey going. Like they'll move the ball. I, th I think it'll be helpful this week that they had such a bad week last week that they shut down Jameis Winston and that it's just fits this week. So um, you know I, I'm expecting somewhere around 250, two touchdowns, maybe an interception or two from Fitzpatrick. Yes. Um, that's going to lead into a question for myself personally. Okay. And I will ask this to both of you, and this is going to tie into this. Right now, my wide receiver three is Deshaun Jackson. Um, I've been starting him all year. Don't love it, but he has the explosive potential. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw him the ball a lot after Jameis Winston got hurt. Should I keep him in the lineup, or should I go to Cooper Cup as my wide receiver three this week? I have Deshaun Jackson in. That's what my gut is telling me, but I'm curious what you two guys say. And the texters, 55305. Uh, I have Deshaun Jackson as well. Um, 
I think we all know that that big play potential is there for Cooper Cup, but I guess we can say the same thing for Deshaun Jackson. Cup hasn't been as good as I thought this year. He's He has a lot of targets, which is a positive, but so does Jackson. And neither of them are exactly doing anything with those targets this year. Yeah, so uh, Deshaun Jackson, we can say the same thing for him, though. He's a guy that's not really – he's getting a lot of deep targets, but outside of that, um, he's not really the, the, the possession guy that he used to be. Um, so I'd probably go with Cooper Cup today, especially because he actually has his quarterback out there. Um, I'm, I'm rolling Cup out in both my leagues. With that said, um, this is one of those things where uh, I think Cup's, Cup's going to get in the end zone today. But um, to be honest, of all of the, the wide receivers, the slot has the worst matchup in Houston this week. So that being said, um, I – like the ceiling of a Deshaun Jackson over a Cooper Cup. Um, especially because Mike Evans is suspended. Especially with Mike Evans suspended. And to be honest, there's there's something to be said about Ryan Fitzpatrick. What I like about him is he's confident. He, you know, he might he might not be the best quarterback in the world, but he is confident in his arm. Um, he's thrown interceptions, and that's never kept him from going out there. And, and uh, I mean, I've seen him throw four interception games and then come back the next week and throw four touchdowns the next week. So it's just he's confident in his arm. Uh, now that Jordan Reed is out, do I start Vernon Davis or take a shot on Charles Clay? Um, for me, this one's easy. I love Charles Clay this year. I know he's been hurt the last few weeks, but before that, he's he was a major, major presence in the Bills offense, which, surprising or not, is good. And they're going up against the Saints defense, which is uh, still not great, uh, better than it has been in the past, but, you know, it's the Saints. I'm going to pick Charles Clay on this one. I just don't. I don't trust Vernon Davis. I don't. And he's going up against the Vikings defense, which is one of the better ones in the NFL. So I'm going to take Charles Clay. I don't know, man. Vernon Davis has been really good this season. No, he's been oh, he's been okay. He hasn't been as good as Charles Clay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, an interesting I was like, let me lock, as, as soon as I said it, I was like, stats. well, well, maybe I'm being a bit hasty. He's been he's been better than the Vernon Davis that we remembered at the end of his tenure in. San Francisco. That's what I'll say. Um, that being said, um, I still like Charles Clay. Um, he's still uh, a, a big a big. He is target. playing today, by the way. He's active. So. Okay, yeah, and he, he is a big target for um, for Tyrod out there in, in, in Buffalo. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Clay. Um, I, I like Vernon Davis a lot. Uh, when Jordan reads out, Vernon Davis is used. Uh, you don't have Jordan. Um, you don't have Jordan Reed this week. Um, that running game's bad. Uh, Terrell Pryor's been bad. Jamison Crowder's probably going to be um, covered by Xavier Rhodes. Uh, what, you got Josh Dodson? Is that is that who's going to move the ball for you? No, I mean, Chris Thompson's been good. So you basically, in that offense, have had Chris Thompson and Vernon Davis. Now, on the flip side, Charles Clay has basically been the same thing. He's been the number one cog when he's been out there. And I agree with you, Lynch, in the fact that I I don't know how good this defense really is it um you know that they've played really well against carolina miami um green bay with brett hunley chicago tampa bay with a hurt um hurt Jameis winston i don't know if this defense is as good as it is been showing or if they've just gotten lucky with some some good matchups because that game i mean at Carolina against a Cam Newton that, that couldn't play. So with that being said, Charles Clay um, is is the guy in that offense, and um, the Saints have given up four touchdowns 
to tight ends this season, so I'd probably like Charles Clay a little bit more. Which of the Tennessee running backs would you trust today? Neither. <laughs> we were just talking about this off the air, actually. I would trust neither of them at all. I, I am benching DeMarco Murray in my own league. I was forced to start him because Jarek McKinnon had a bye last week, and that did not go very well for me. Um, he's been dealing with nagging injuries throughout the season. When Derrick Henry seems to get a chance, it's like 50-50 that he takes it, uh, and then 50-50 that he goes like negative two yards rushing. So I trust neither of them. If you have to pick one, I'm going to pick DeMarco Murray because for some reason Mike Malarkey keeps giving him 18, 20 carries a game even if he's not playing well, and I like that. It's consistency, but uh, I would bench them both if I were you. That's me. I mean, if <clears throat> I don't know if he'd be asking us if he could actually bench them both, but um, I guess I'm going to take uh, DeMarco as well. Um, they're going to keep feeding him the ball. I think there's this overall hope that he's going to be the guy that you saw in Dallas. But until that offensive line comes to uh, Tennessee, I don't know if you're going to see that. So, But still, taking DeMarco. Oh, man, this this Tennessee Titan offensive line that's supposed to be one of the best run-blocking lines in the league is just, like, Derrick Henry hasn't been great. DeMarco Murray hasn't been great. Mariota hasn't been great. Like, I, I mean, but I, but I think the only reason that Murray just keeps getting the rock is he's got the veteran vision. And Mike Malarkey is, like, such an old-school coach. I feel like he's just going to keep giving it to him. Yeah. So, I mean, Murray. <laughs> uh, standard flex league, or standard league in the flex position. Amir Abdullah. There he is again. Uh, every week we get Amir Abdullah questions. Although he did score a touchdown last week, didn't he? And then he fumbled on the goal yeah, line. Yeah. <laughs> um, he could have had a, a a bigger day than Zach Zenner got the, the goal line carry after he fumbled. Uh, and he um, averaged, I think, like 2.1 yards a carry despite all of those carries. So, Amir Abdullah, Derek Henry, or Ty Montgomery. <laughs> hmm. So, running back by committee, running back by committee, and running back by committee. Welcome to Fantasy Football in 2017. Um, this one's tough for me because I... I like the upside of Derrick Henry, like we just talked about. Like, he has been really, really good. Um, I hate, hate Amir Abdullah. And I know Tom Montgomery got a lot of the carries last week, but I don't, I don't, I don't trust, I don't trust what Mike McCarthy's going to do with that offense. Honestly, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry in this, in this conundrum here because I, I just don't like the others at all. I don't like Amir Abdullah and I don't like Tom Montgomery. Um, Jesus. We get down to the nitty-gritty tough questions here. Um, I think I'm going to go Derrick Henry as well. I mean... I mean, the other guys are just really, I'm not going to say unlikable. Uh, Abdullah, man, could be really good, but probably not. So I think of the three of those, man, Henry's probably your best bet of the three. Well, let's see here. What do we got here, Ty Montgomery? What have you been doing for me lately? Nothing. Not a whole lot. So, um... Yeah, I would definitely go Henry over Montgomery. I I mean, Amir Abdullah just they keep they do keep giving him the ball. Let's see I mean, he got somewhere north of like 20 carries last week or something like that. It was it he had was, a lot of catches, but I think he only uh, had like six 21 carries. carries last week. Oh, carries? Okay. Yes, for 48 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. I mean, but he had 21, 11, 14, 10, 20, 14, 17, 15. He's getting double-digit touches every week. Now, he's going against the Cleveland Browns, which actually is a good running back. Right, you know what? Whatever. I'm with you guys. Hunter Henry. I mean, no, not Hunter. I Derek. mean, Derek Henry. <laughs> uh, all right. We got a break now. We got a couple of other questions we'll get to at the beginning of the next segment. This is Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan.